This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of shoulder imaging from the shoulder and elbow section on orthobullets.com. In this episode, we'll go over radiographs, computed tomography, and magnetic resonance imaging related to the shoulder. So starting with radiographs, a standard shoulder trauma series includes at least a true anteroposterior view and an axillary lateral view. A complete trauma series includes a shoulder AP, a true shoulder AP, an AP in internal rotation, an AP in external rotation, an axillary view, and a scapulary Y-lateral. A shoulder AP focuses on the glenohumeral joint space and may show degenerative joint disease. A true shoulder AP will also show the glenohumeral joint space, degenerative joint disease, and may show proximal migration of the humerus. An AP in internal rotation will reveal a hill sax lesion, as will an AP in external rotation. An axillary view will show anterior and posterior dislocations, and a Valpo view modification can be done if the patient is unable to abduct the arm. A scapular Y-lateral allows classification of the acromion. Some additional views to be aware of include a supraspinatus outlet, a Zanka view, a striker notch view, a West Point axillary, a Garth view, a Hobbs view, and a serendipity view. A supraspinatus outlet view allows classification of the acromion. Type 1 is flat, type 2 is curved, and type 3 is hooked. Keep in mind that hooked acromion is associated with impingement and rotator cuff pathology. A Zanka view helps visualize the AC joint and shows AC joint disease and distal clavicle osteolysis. A striker notch view may reveal a hill sax lesion. A West Point axillary will show the antero-inferior glenoid, and it can reveal a bony bank heart as well as proximal humerus fractures. A Garth view will also show the antero-inferior glenoid as well as a bony bank heart. A Hobbs view will show anterior and posterior sternoclavicular dislocations. And finally, a serendipity view will also show an anterior and posterior sternoclavicular dislocation. Now let's talk about computed tomography. As a quick overview, CT provides better detail of cortical and trabecular bone structures than MRI at the cost of higher radiation exposure. CT is optimal for visualization of bony defects, and keep in mind magnification artifacts that are associated with radiographs do not occur with CT. Axial shoulder images on CT are useful to visualize reverse hill sax lesions. Coronal shoulder images on CT are useful to visualize fractures. Sagittal shoulder images on CT are useful to visualize anterior-inferior glenoid insufficiency, and 3D reconstructions are useful to visualize glenoid version for total shoulder arthroplasty. Now, let's end this review session talking about magnetic resonance imaging of the shoulder. As a quick overview, MRI is best for evaluating soft tissue structures and evaluating bone contusions or trabecular microfractures. The stronger the magnet, the higher the intrinsic signal-to-noise ratio. For example, a 3-Tesla MRI machine has 9 times the proton energy of a 1.5-Tesla MRI machine. A T1-weighted sequence uses a short repetition time, or TR, and a short echo time, or TE. Bright equals fat on T1, and dark equals fluid, bone, ligament, bone marrow, and fibrocartilage. A T1-weighted sequence is often combined with MR arthrograms, and is useful to visualize hill sax lesions. Moving on to a T2-weighted sequence, this uses a long TR and a long TE. Again, TR is a short repetition time, and TE is a short echo time. Bright on T2 is fluid or inflammation and bone marrow, while dark on T2 is bone, 
ligament, muscle, and fibrocartilage. A T2-weighted sequence is useful to visualize rotator cuff pathology, such as a full thickness tear. Moving on to a short tau inversion recovery sequence or a stir sequence, this is a fat saturation or suppression technique. This is a technique that reduces signal from fat and increases the signal from fluid and edema, and it helps to determine edema versus fatty infiltration in the rotator cuff muscles. Stir sequences are useful to visualize rotator cuff pathology. The ABER or abduction external rotation position is a sequence beyond the conventional three sequences, which are coronal, sagittal, and axial. In the ABER position, the patient places the affected hand behind their head instead of a true 90-90 degree abduction external rotation position. This position tensions the antero-inferior glenohumeral ligament and labrum and relaxes the capsule. The ABER position is useful to visualize Bankart lesions, partial and full thickness tears of the rotator cuff tendons, and internal impingement. An MR arthrogram is commonly used to augment MRI to diagnose soft tissue problems such as slap tears. In an MR arthrogram, a dilute gadolinium-containing solution is percutaneously injected into the joint. An MR arthrogram is optimal for labral and ligament pathology and may show a Bankart lesion, superior labrum, anterior-posterior tear or a slap tear, glenoid labral articular disruption or a GLAD lesion, anterior labral periosteal sleeve avulsion or an ALPSA lesion, and humeral avulsion of the glenohumeral ligament or a HAGL lesion. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over one quick question to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The proton energy produced by a 1.5 Tesla magnetic resonance imaging or MRI machine most closely approximates what percentage of a 3.0 Tesla machine? And the choices are 1, 11%, 2, 1%, 3, 66%, and 5, 99%. The correct answer to this question is 1, 11%. So the proton energy produced is about 9 times greater for a 3.0 Tesla MRI machine compared to a 1.5 Tesla machine. Cousins et al. report that magnetic field strength is an important factor in achieving a high signal-to-noise ratio and contrast. They state that other factors that affect this ratio include the sample size, the T1 and T2 relaxation factors, and the number of averages or excitations, or NEX. That's all for this review about shoulder imaging. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.